So last night we counted the 41st day of the Omer. We're officially in the home stretch. One more week of counting and we'll stand together at the mountain or perhaps at the JCC to receive Torah. This counting process, according to the 13th century commentator, the Chizkuni, while holy in its own right, points toward an even greater counting. One that we meet in this week's parasha, the counting of 49 years until the Yovel, or the Jubilee year. Count for yourselves seven Sabbaths of years, seven years, seven times, and the days of the seven Sabbaths of years shall come to 49 years. Although we've come to associate the word Jubilee with popes and the British monarchy, it comes from the Hebrew word Yovel, or ram's horn. For the Jubilee year is launched with cacophonous blowings of the shofar all over the land. And in that moment, a reset button is pressed. After 49 years of toil, human bondage, exhausted land, everyone goes home. Land lies fallow, indentured workers go free. It sounds a little utopian. At the core of the Yovel is the Torah's conviction that human society can and must recalibrate, realign itself. Every seven days we rest. Every year we delve into a season of tshuva, of return. Every seventh year, including this year, the community observes a Shemitah, and every 50 years, we are enjoined to engage in society-wide recalibration, the Yovel. According to Rav Kook in his introduction to Shabbat Ha'aretz, and this is a translation published by Chazon, the life stream of the Yovel is sufficiently potent to correct the deviations and the turpitudes of the past and to restore the conditions of life of the nation to the original state of its tender infancy. All systems back to original settings. Worldwide tshuva. Okay, so if you were to guess on which day of the year the Yovel begins, what would it be? Okay, Sunday's one guess. <laughs> I just gave you a hint. Worldwide tshuva. Yes. <laughs> this year of full-bodied liberty and rest is proclaimed on Yom Kippur. And I want to come back to Rav Kook. He says the supreme spirit of total forgiveness that pervades every individual on the day of atonement rises here through the sanctity of the Yovel. And the nation, imbued with the spirit of repentance, endeavors to rectify the distortions of the past. So over a 49-year period, we as a society go off course, off mission and purpose. 
we arrive at Yom Kippur of the 50th year, and it begins with a wake-up call. Every single person stands with a shofar and blasts tekiah. Wake up and take notice. What do you see? Who is still indentured? Who has strayed far from home? What land has been exhausted past recognition? And in that moment, the Torah says, Ukratem dror ba'aretz lechol yoshveha. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Does that ring a bell? So I want to share a story. When my mentor's father was a boy in what is now Moldova, the Rebbe in his cheder said to the class, and I'll ask your forgiveness for my accent, children, <laughs> they say that very far away there is, um, I don't know, I just, sorry, let me try and go back. Um, Children. Okay, there is a country called America. And in that faraway country called America, there's a city called Philadelphia. And in that city called Philadelphia, there's a bell. They call it the Liberty Bell. And they say that on this bell are written words from our book. Proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Frankly, I find this hard to believe. Why would they write our words on their bell? <laughs> and then the Rebbe asked his students, if it should happen when you grow up that you are in America, visit this place called Philadelphia and see that bell. And then write to me and tell me if it is true that they have inscribed our words on their bell. My mentor's father did come to America and he went to see the bell. And yes, indeed, there were the words, our words on the bell. But what the Rebbe didn't tell him was that the bell was cracked. The Liberty Bell was cracked. This week, that crack cut even deeper an article in the New York Times shed light on a significant group of people in New York City for whom liberty is expressly denied and denied upholding the vanity of others. The expose in the New York Times revealed that nail estheticians and salons throughout the city work for months without pay. They're often required to provide a down payment to start their job. The paycheck that eventually arrives is strikingly below minimum wage. Surrounded by toxic chemicals, these workers often suffer respiratory damage, miscarriages, and cancer. A caste system built by salon owners based on ethnicity and nationality ensures that workers remain in an impoverished existence with no chance of upward mobility, never mind liberty. And we're all culpable. Our desire for luxuries at cheap prices comes at the expense of the person, the divine nefesh sitting across from us. 
Two weeks ago, Rabbi Jill Hammer charged us, we cannot be of those who violate the integrity of others' bodies and souls. When we see such a violation, we should feel sick. We cannot pretend not to see, and we should feel sick. And of course, we know that it's not only nail salons. Dresses made by a human being shouldn't cost $15. This deal comes at the cost of the person sewing that dress. Cheap fashion, cheap smartphones, there is a divine soul paying for the price tag. According to an op-ed in the Times yesterday, we live in a, quote, sweatshop economy. And Americans have gotten used to its bounty of cheap services and goods, basking in ever cheaper luxury while ignoring the pain and injustice that make it all possible. Fires in factories in Bangladesh, and this week in the Philippines, over a hundred years after the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, hundreds of people killed because the exits from the factory floors are barred. The major clothing retailers, the Apple Store, the nail salons, they want us to not see these violations and keep looking the other way. The system is so deeply embedded and we have to look and we have to act. We need a Yovel, a Jubilee, like nobody's business. We need to wake up and take notice and we need to proclaim liberty for all inhabitants. But here's the thing, no one knows when the Yovel year falls. Heapcal.com and Chabad can't even attempt to calculate. There hasn't been a Yovel since temple times, if there ever was one. But what we can do is begin counting and accounting incrementally toward it. Step by step, Sfirat HaYovel. So new, what would counting look like? It might look like standing in solidarity with nail estheticians and demanding that salons meet a certifiable standard of fair wages, hours, and that owners use non-toxic nail products. It means supporting organizations like New York Healthy Nail Salons Coalition that educate workers on rights and consumers on how to be influential allies. It means educating ourselves opening our eyes to slave labor practices around the world that we unconsciously support. You can go to slaveryfootprint.org. Has anyone ever been there? I see a few hands. And you can learn about what products there are in your bathroom, what food in the kitchen was cultivated on the backs of unpaid or barely paid workers. You can find an online yellow pages for sweat-free fair trade retailers at Green America. We need a Yovel that is much more far-reaching than these actions. But all I know how to do is to begin counting with incremental change. And you will proclaim drawer, liberty. Just as shalom, just as peace is not only the absence of war, 
drawer or liberty is not only the absence of a taskmaster, yours or anyone else's. It's a pure, shining liberty. When my mentor's father stood before that bell in his adopted country, and he saw that crack, he dedicated himself from that moment to become a bell mender. I pray that we, as we count our way to Sinai, that we don't stop there, that we too become bell menders, and we count our way to a full and robust liberty in the land for all her inhabitants. <laughs>